it's an honor and a blessing to be here. Very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, today I'm talking about something that may be a refresher for some of you, maybe not. But I've been really thinking lately about keys of prayer from the teachings of Jesus. Okay, so of course, like Jesus is the Son of God, and who better to learn about how to pray from than the Messiah, right? Obviously, he knew what he was saying. And the thing is, though, Jesus didn't really teach much about prayer. We have glimpses here and there, of course. And it's interesting because if you actually like take the time to consider what Jesus said, how we pray, how we're supposed to pray, it's kind of surprising, actually. Like, you know, if you take a step back and be like, man, this is what Jesus is saying. Like, let me give you an example. One of the longest teachings of prayer in the Gospels is from Luke 11, 1 through uh, 13. And one of Jesus' disciples comes up to him one day. And he's like, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Okay, so then Jesus goes into the Lord's Prayer. But what I get a, a kick out of is what he says after. In verses 5 through 8, Jesus is like, gives this interesting story about this guy who goes in the middle of the night knocks on his friend's door, his friend's door, and asks him for bread. Wakes up his entire family. His friend inside is like, I'm not giving you anything. What are you doing? It's like the middle of the night. I'm paraphrasing. It's the middle of the night. Why are you asking me for bread right now? You woke up my whole family. My kids are sleeping. And then Jesus in verse 8, get this. This is what I get a kick out of. In the NIV version, this is what it says anyway. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He's not going to give him his bread because of friendship, but because of his shameless audacity, he's going to give him as much bread as he wants. I want you to think about that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is essentially saying we need to be shamelessly audacious in prayer. Is that like... <laughs> think of it, like, just think about it. What does that mean? Like, when I think of prayer, typically in, like, Western cultures, it's like, you know, you kind of bow your head and right? You, know, you, you pray in your mind and not very shamelessly audacious, but Jesus is saying, you know what, what you're, you know what prayer is supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like this guy who had the audacity to go to his friend's house in the middle of the night and ask him for bread. And Jesus actually commends that and tells us we need to do the same. We need to actually be shamelessly audacious in prayer. Okay. So that's interesting. That's not what I'm talking about today. That was for free. <laughs> What I am talking about, though, is prayer keys from the teachings of Jesus, okay? And one, one of the things that also is interesting is what Jesus didn't say, okay? So, how many of you know as disciples of Christ were called to heal the sick? Is this news to anybody? Okay, not everyone put up their hands, so maybe it is. But let me show you a verse on this, and I'm going to talk a little bit more in detail in a few minutes. But, from Matthew 10... Uh, verse 5 and uh, through 8, when Jesus is commissioning his disciples, essentially he gives them his ministry because up until that point, Jesus was demonstrating the kingdom of God and saying the kingdom of God is here and he was demonstrating it by what? Healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, okay? So then this is the first time he commissions the 12 and he says, look, go, two sentences, proclaim the message, the kingdom of God is here. Okay, and then what? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, freely you receive, freely you give. And I'm going to show you later that hasn't ended. We're all called to that ministry of displaying and demonstrating the kingdom. Amen. Now, why am I saying this? Let me, let me ask you guys something, okay? How do you heal the sick? 
How many of you would say pray for the sick? Okay, how many of you would, is there any other suggestions? How do you heal the sick? Declarations, Declarations okay. Anyone else? Nice. Speak it. Okay. Good. 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 Now, I'm glad. I'm glad there's some variety because in my own experience, um, and and in my own life, like my own personal experience. But like I was a pastor for a few years, and you know, whenever people pray, whenever people heal the sick, they pray for them. Usually, that's pretty common, right? If somebody says, "Hey, so and so sick," can you what? Pray for them. I want you to think about something. Jesus Christ never, ever, 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 ever once told us to pray for the sick. Think about it. Never. Not only that, he never prayed for the sick. Ever. I defy you to, to prove me wrong. Now, when I say that, I'm talking about what we typically think about prayer. I'm talking about intercessory prayer, I guess. Like, Father, please heal this person. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do that. <laughs> it's okay because we can pray for anything. What's my point? We often, Jesus, my point is Jesus never told us, first of all, to pray the sick. We fill in the blank. He said, heal the sick. Okay, but he never gives the instruction of how to do it. The only other exception, someone said it in Mark 16, 18. He says, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Never says pray though. Okay, so why am I making this point? Because we, through traditions, we often just make assumptions, presumptions often, that we're supposed to do something a certain way, and that's fine. Like I said, you can pray intercessory prayers fine for anything, but how many of you, like, want results? <laughs> What's the best way to get results? Do what Jesus Christ did, Okay. Now, I'm going to um, give you a story that we probably all know, but I want you to consider it in light of what I just said, okay? And, uh, and I'm going to go somewhere with this, because it's not completely accurate to say Jesus didn't tell us to pray for the sick. It's a very specific type of prayer, if you can call it prayer, but I'm going to argue from this passage, you can technically call it prayer, okay? So this is from Mark 11, 12 through 14, and then I'm going to skip to 21, or 20 and 21. We probably all know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. The next day as we were, uh, they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig uh, tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he, <laughs> I get a kick out of this, sir. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. But look at this, because it wasn't the season for figs. So it's like... <laughs> It's like Jesus kind of gets mad at this tree that wasn't even seasoned. I got to kick it out. Okay, anyway. So then look at this. Then he says to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And it is, his disciples heard him say this. Okay, so dot, dot, dot. Fast forward the next morning. As they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Wow, this is crazy. Look, look at what Jesus says to him in response to this. Have faith in God. He goes into a teaching on prayer. Okay, we're talking about prayer keys. Truly, I tell you, if anyone... Okay, show of hands, how many of you are anyone? Okay, okay, okay. Not super apostles, right? Not super... Anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes, that's a key, believes that what they say, talking about speaking will happen, it'll be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, look at this. 
whatever. How many? How about say this? Whatever. 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 Not some things. Right? No qualifications. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it. It'll be yours. What I want to point out, look, Jesus is referring to this speaking to mountains as prayer. Is he not? If you say to this mountain, anyone who does this, go through it. Now, we tend to spiritualize things, which is fine. I think you could use mountains as a metaphor. Like, how many of you have used that? I have. Like, oh, I've seen the Lord move mountains in my life. Jesus, I don't believe, was using it. I believe he was for real saying, if you say to this literal mountain... Right? Go throw yourself in the sea. You don't doubt it. It'll actually happen. Okay? So, what's my point? Jesus is our example. Okay? And I, I started off by saying Jesus never told us to pray for the sick. Because he didn't. Ever. Now, there, in fact, there's only one time in the whole entire New Testament that you could maybe, maybe say there's a, there's a place for intercessory prayer for healing. And that's James 5. When it says... Is any among you sick? Call for the elders. They'll anoint you with oil, right? And they'll pray. And the prayer of the righteous avails much or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. The point is, you might be able to say that's intercessory prayer, but it doesn't even say it then either. They might have very well have used this type of prayer. Okay, so Jesus is our example. How did Jesus heal the sick? Doesn't have a technical name, but for all intents and purposes, authority and the prayer of command. Okay? So what I'm going to show you then is Jesus is our example, right? He's perfect theology. If Jesus did it and we're his disciples, we should do what he did, right? It's pretty straightforward if you think of it in that way. So as followers of Christ, we, got, we should imitate him. We want results. So how did Jesus pray? In scripture, Jesus' prayers were often short in the imperative tense of the verb. In other words, a command. In fact, if you go through the Gospels, I haven't done this. My guess would be most of his prayers were this. Most. Okay? And I'm going to just show you some examples so you see what I mean. Because when you see him, you'll be like, oh yeah, I knew that all along. But you may or may not have thought of it in this way. Okay? So this was especially the case when he was confronting the enemy and demonstrating the kingdom. And I was specifically in the context of healing the sick. So look at this. One example, healing the sick. This is Mark 7, 34, 35. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to them, Ephaphatha, one word in, in Aramaic, which means be open. And the man's ears were open, his tongue was loose, and he began to speak plain. This guy was deaf and mute. Simple. Two words in our language. Be open. Totally healed. Okay, so... Notice, I, Jesus commissioned us, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the leper. I'm showing you now. This is how, next slide, thanks. Cleansing the lepers. Look at Jesus, our example. And I'm showing you one example from each of the four Gospels. So from Matthew 8 to 13, Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man, said, I'm willing. He said, look at this, be clean. That's it. No 10 hours of, Father, please heal this guy of leprosy. Right? No praying in tongues for 20 hours and fasting. No. Simple. Be clean. Guy was clean immediately. Raising the dead. John eleven forty three. When he said, now I'm not giving you context. I'm just showing you. This is Lazarus. We probably all know this story. Jesus goes to Lazarus and a loud voice says, Lazarus, come out. The guy's dead for four days. Comes out. So simple. 
Two words. Don't have to grovel on the ground and beg God and God, please. No. Come out. That's it. It's a command. Casting out demons. Luke 4.35. Be quiet. Because the demon was talking. Jesus said, certainly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before him all and came without injuring him. Okay. So remember, Jesus called us, commissioned us to do this. And how did he do it? Were his disciples? We just do what he did. This is how he did it. Commanded things. And they obeyed him. Now, some of you might be like, okay. Oh, actually, let me, let me. One more. Okay, because I was talking about now, he did this when he was confronting the enemy. He was doing this to demonstrate the kingdom. But it's not necessarily confined to that. So we probably all know this, but, but I want to make the point that in Mark uh, 4, 37 to 39, he also did it when he was confronting circumstances or thing that w- things that were in his way when he was uh, doing ministry. So a furious squall came up. The waves broke out over the boat so that it was sternly swamped. Talking about Jesus, he got up, rebuked the wind. Look, he spoke to the thing. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He said, quiet, be still. Three words totally went calm. Okay? So, you might be like, okay, well, Jesus, of course, he's Jesus. <laughs> we often tend to do this, right? It's like, Jesus, he's the son of God. Of course he can speak to winds and waves. They're going to obey him because he's the son of God. But this is what I want to make the point that, no, Jesus delegated his ministry and his authority to us, to his disciples. Okay, so this might not be news to some of you, but I want to just quickly, because I don't have too much time, want to quickly give you a scriptural case for this so you know this is the exact same thing we've been called to do as his disciples, even now, okay? This isn't just relegated to, say, the 12 apostles. So I'm going to give you a little more context now, going back to Matthew 10, just showing, okay, first, so Jesus went around, I mentioned this, demonstrating the kingdom, and how did he do it? It was so simple. The kingdom of God is here, Okay, then he would like he he would heal everybody. It says like in Matthew four, for example, he went around healing all the sick, casting out demons, and everyone crowds came, brought the sick, demonstrating the kingdom. So that's how he did it. Then he said, "Okay, now you do this." Okay, so he commissioned the twelve. This is Matthew ten. The point I want to make now: we already mentioned what he said, but look at in verse one. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him, and look at this: gave them authority. To drive out impure spirits and look at this. To heal every disease and sickness. Every single one. Not some diseases and sicknesses. Not just headaches. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with headaches. But my point is, every single disease and sickness you can think of, Jesus gave them authority to heal it all. And I'm going to show you. He gave it to us as well. Okay. So, I'm going to show you Luke's version now. It's a little bit different. It's essentially the same. One of the main differences is when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them, look at this, power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And to proclaim, sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God, heal the sick. So then they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news. And look at this, healing people everywhere. Okay, what's the point? Power and authority. Now, you might, I'll make the... (laughs) You might be like, well, what's the big deal? What's the difference? Okay, power and so let me distinguish power and authority. Somebody, I, I like this illustration. Okay, so think about a police officer. Police officer might hypothetically go on the highway. He wants to stop a semi truck. Okay, say a semi truck's coming. 
goes in the middle of the road, puts out his badge, says, stop in the name of the law. And what? The semi-truck stops. Think about this. The semi-truck has way more power than this cop. The the semi-truck could go and, and plow over the cop, no problem, right? But the cop, in the name of the law, has the authority to stop this truck. Okay, so Jesus not only gave us the authority to do this, I'm going to show you to trample on all the power of the enemy, but he also gave us the power to do it. Now, if I had time, I'd go over to the book of Ephesians, which I don't, at least some of it. And, and because over and over throughout the New Testament, it's like God's trying to get this in our minds. We have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living in us. In fact, how many of you know the famous apostolic prayer in Ephesians 1? Okay, verses, I think it's 14 through 21. He says, now, I pray that the God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you'd know him better. Talking about intimacy. And that he would open the eyes of your heart. We all know that verse because there's that famous song. Open the eyes of my heart. Right? (laughs) What does he say after that, though? What's the point? Why is he... Think, okay, so that you would know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and look at this, the incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand of God, above all rulers and authorities and dominions and powers, and every name that can be named, not only in this age, in the age to come. Paul is saying, the reason he prays that the eyes of our heart would be open is that we would come to the revelation that we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand and gave us the authority above all rule and authority and dominion power. We have that same power living in us. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. That's why Paul prays that our eyes, our heart has to be enlightened to that because it's just so unfathomable. If we only knew the, the, if that, that's why I recommend praying that for yourself. It's like, man, I need that revelation because if I had that revelation, you're unstoppable in Christ's name. You have that same power that raised him from the dead through the Holy Spirit. It's crazy. Okay, that was for free as well. Look at this. So you might be like, okay, that's for the super apostles. That's just for the 12 apostles. No, the very next chapter in Luke Verse or chapter 10, then he sends out the 72. My point here is that, no, it's not confined to the super apostles. These are just regular disciples. Okay, so verse 1, it says, After the Lord appointed 72 others, sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Look at this, same thing. Heal the sick who are uh, there and tell them the kingdom of God's come near to you. Okay. Then, verse 17, so they go and do this. They go and do this stuff, and they're amazed. They come back, they're like, Jesus, we're just regular disciples, and look. I'm paraphrasing. They all enjoy, because they're like, look, even the demons submit to us in your name. Okay, that's a key, in your name. Okay, the implication, of course, is they're speaking to the demons, casting them out in his name, because that's his authority, and they have to listen to him. Then in verse 18, look at this. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you what? Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome. Look at this. All the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. All the power of the enemy. Just like what Paul prayed. It's like we have the same power that raised above all rule and authority, dominion and power. 
And every name that can be named. Not only in this age, but the age to come. That same power is in you. And Jesus is like, I given that, I've given that to you as my disciples. Okay, fair enough. You might be like, well, that's the 72. Maybe that was confined to um, the life and times of Jesus walking around doing the stuff, right? Because people do this, right? We spiritualize things, we rationalize things, trying to make reasons, logical reasons, why this doesn't apply to ourselves. But now I'm going to show you, no, it totally applies to us. Because look at the Great Commission. We all know the Great Commission, but I want to talk to you about it in this context now. Okay, so Matthew 28, now he gives his commission to everyone. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, look at this, the same thing. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice Jesus, Jesus never, ever, 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 ever says to make converts. Ever. He says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look at this. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So this commission goes on till the second coming of Christ. What's my point? Teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. That Not just some things. Now, I don't know why, but often, at least in my own life, when I used to read that, I would just relegate it to, say, the moral imperatives that Christ gave, like love your neighbor, which is true. But I want you to think about this. Jesus said, command, teach them everything I commanded you. Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8 is part of his commands, isn't it? Everything I commanded you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out or cleanse the lepers, uh, drive out demons. Freely receive, freely give. This is part of the Great Commission. If you're a disciple of Christ, you need to do this. Now, I don't know how many discipleship schools teach this stuff. Thankfully, I think more now than maybe before. But this is part of discipleship. It's an important part of discipleship because Jesus gave us his ministry. We're his hands and his feet, quote unquote, until he returns. And we're supposed to do the same stuff he did, which is to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So think about it. Like, what does that mean? It, it boils down to what's, what's, what did Jesus tell us to pray in the, in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Look at this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. What? As it is in heaven. So often we've prayed that for like thousands of years in heaven. What's the point? Jesus is saying, what's God's will? That it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's will. So just think of the logic of that. Is there sickness in heaven? No. No. Is there leprosy in heaven? No. No. Is there death in heaven? No. Raise the dead? Is there poverty in heaven? No. No. So if you're like, what's God's will, generally speaking, just think about the logic of that. There, is there this in heaven? No. Well, you have to eradicate it. You have to demonstrate the kingdom. Do the opposite. The opposite is whatever the enemy's doing. Get rid of that. Okay? All right. Now, Mark 16 makes this even more clear because we're talking about healing specifically, but all this stuff. Okay? This is the Great Commission in Mark's version, chapter 16, 15 through 80. He said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel, look at this, to all creation. Doesn't even confine it to humans, which is funny. How many of you know St. Francis of Assisi? Used to preach to birds and like animals would come and listen to him preach because of this verse, which is kind of funny. Anyway, <laughs> maybe not. Huh. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Look at this. And these signs will accompany those who believe. How many of you believe? <laughs> Applicable to all of you. In my name, talking about the authority of Christ, they'll drive out demons, 
They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes with their hands. They'll drink deadly poison. It'll not hurt them at all. They'll place their hands on sick people. They'll recover. Not pray for them, place hands on them. Okay, so this is applicable to all of us. Talking about the believer's authority. Okay, so as believers, Christ's incomparably great power and authority belongs to us, whether we realize it or not. Ephesians 1.19, I was talking about that earlier. But just knowing this isn't enough. It's knowledge acted upon that brings results. We could know this theologically till the cows come home, do nothing about it, nothing will ever get done. Because Jesus said, go do this. If we don't go lay our hands on the sick, it won't happen. If we don't go cast out demons, it won't happen. So it's like Jesus commissioned us, and often we're waiting around for some like supernatural bam, revival thing, which is fine. God's sovereign, he can do that. But it's like, no, you just go do it. You go lay your hands on the sick. And the more you do it, the more it will happen. Demonstrating the kingdom. Okay, so you actually have to act upon this stuff. Okay, so we have something, we have to do something with the authority that's been given to us. If I had time, but you guys will all know the story, so I won't bother going to all the detail. Paraphrase, Exodus 14. I love this illustration because I feel like this is so applicable to what I'm talking about in terms of you've been given this authority, go do something with it. You'll all know this story. Moses, and, and it finally gets the children out of Pharaoh's hands to, and is taking them into the desert, the great Exodus. Okay, then Pharaoh, because he's a jerk, he's like, wait a minute, what I do? I let them go. Let's go get them. So he chases them with his army. So then they get up to the Red Sea, and we all know this. It's like, what? God, there's a, that, that Pharaoh and his army is chasing us. What, did you drag us out here to die? Then they start, what, praying? Like what we think, like, God, do something, do something. Like, what, why are we, what's going on? Do something. You know what God says to them? Verse 15 and 16, God finally answers <laughs> And he's like, why are you crying out to me? You do something. He's like, I've given you the staff. Go split the sea. You do something. And Moses is like, oh, okay. And then he did it. And then the splits. So what's the point? God's like, I've given you the staff. I've given you the authority. Now you do something. Why are you there interceding to me? Okay, that's the point. It's a perfect illustration. It's like, often we're like, God, do something, do something. Intercession, God. And that's fine. Okay. Intercession is great. My point is with healing, it's like, God, God, begging God. And God's like, what? I've given you the authority. I've given you the power. You lay your hands. You declare it and command it to leave and it'll leave. Okay? That's the point. So one way, this is one way we exercise our authority in Christ is the prayer of command in the name of Jesus. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is show you the disciples did this. This wasn't just Jesus who did this. Okay? So obviously when he commissioned them, go heal the sick, raise it, all this stuff... They, like, they're his disciples. They saw how he did it. This is how he did it. So they just imitated him. Okay? So think, now, I'm just going to show you. Heal the sick. Book of Acts. Look at this. Acts 3, 6, 8. I'm just going to go bam, 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 show you examples. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Okay? This is, we all probably know. This guy's been paralyzed for years. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up, walk. One word, walk, in the name of Jesus. And the guy gets up and walks. Command. Talking about the prayer of command now. Acts 9.34. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll your mat. Immediately he got up. Same thing. Command. Acts 14.9-10. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up to your feet. 
And at that, the guy jumped up, began to walk. Simple. It's like two words, one word, whatever, three words, get up, do this. Usually, I'm going to show you, usually they say in the name of Jesus, but not always. Look at this. In Acts 14, Paul didn't say in the name of Jesus. He just said, get up and walk, and the guy walked. Raising the dead. Acts 9, 40. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down to his knees and prayed. I want to point out, this is the prayer. <laughs> Talking about this is a prayer. Okay? Turning toward the dead woman, he said, to Tabitha, get up. Three words. And she opened her eyes, seeing Peter sat up. She was dead. Okay? He didn't have to grovel on the ground for 20 hours and pray in tongues for five hours and soak for five hours and beg God for five. No, three words. Get up. Casting out demons. Acts 16, 18. Finally, Paul became, became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, command you to get out of her. Talking about the prayer of command. At that, the spirit left her. So I'm just showing, look, obviously the disciples, this is how they did it. This is how they dealt with sickness and, and death and demons, right? They commanded it. It's like it was a person. Be open. Get up. Okay? Now, one thing I want to point out again, because we tend to do this, it's like, well, those are the super apostles. Of course, Paul could do that and they'll listen. Or Peter will do that. No. Regular believers did this too. Okay? Quote, unquote, no-name believers did the same kind of prayer. It's not confined just to the leaders, just to the super apostles. Okay? Look, just one example. Acts twenty-two thirteen. Then he, talking about Ananias. Now, to give you context, we probably all know Paul's conversion, right? He's on the road to Damascus. He's, out to, he's Saul at the time, out to kill Christians. Has the encounter with Jesus Christ. Becomes blind. Okay. Then he goes to, to a... This guy's name's Judas House for a while, and he's, he's blind. Then the Lord speaks to this no-name Christian, never heard of him before or after, named Ananias. He's not some leader or anything. Lord's like, hey, there's a guy named Saul at this guy's house. I want you to go heal him of, of blindness. And this Ananias guy's like, Lord, but this guy, Saul's killing Christians. And, but he obeyed. He went. He's kind of nervous about it. Look it. So this is Paul recounting the story. Then he, Ananias, stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Bam, that's it. Receive your sight. So simple. Okay? We often complicate things, but we don't need to. So simple. Prayer of command. Now, one thing I want to point out as well, and I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to show you some scriptures on this just to make a solid case for it, that one of the main keys when we're exercising our authorities, we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So... How do we do it? Command in the name of Jesus. So doing something in someone else's name, just to, so you understand why, like, why is it we pray in the name of Jesus? <laughs> have you ever thought of that? Like, have you ever, like, we just do things sometimes. It's like, yeah, it's in the Bible, but why? When we do something in someone else's name, this means that you come by the authority of that other person. Just like the officer, I come in the name of the law. It's not your authority, it's Christ's authority. Okay. Praying in Jesus' name means that we're praying in, in his authority. So it's he authorizes us to make this, these actions on his behalf. Heal the sick. It's not you healing the sick. It's in Jesus' name be healed. And he's doing it. Okay, so the key to our authority is through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now I'm just going to show you quickly some scriptures on this. Because these scriptures are unfathomable. They're crazy, crazy, hard to believe. But I want you to remember... 
2 Corinthians 1.20, it says that no matter how many promises Christ has made, they're all what? Yes. The answer is yes. So if you can find a promise in the Bible, the answer is yes. It's not no, it's not maybe, it's not I'll think about it. It's like you can guarantee bank on the fact that if God promises something, it's yes, it's done. But then it says, and through him, the amen is spoken by us to the, to the glory of God. What's that mean? means that we actually have to pray and say, let it be done. Okay, so that's our part. We actually have to do something. Okay, John 14, 12 to 14. This is crazy in a good way. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, who are, believe in, how many of you believe in Jesus? Yeah, okay, this is for you. We'll, be do, we'll do the works I've been doing, and look at this, and they'll do even greater things than these. Greater works than Jesus Christ. Greater works than Jesus. So, <laughs> Walking on water, command storms to stop, all this stuff. He's saying, you're going to even do greater stuff than that if you believe in me. Because I'm going to the Father. And look at this. I will do whatever, no qualifications, you ask what? In my name. That's the point. You do it in my name, I'll do whatever you ask. So you may ask me for anything. Not some things, not super spiritual things. Anything in my name and I'll do it. No qualifications. This is Jesus Christ, by the way. Okay? In case you're wondering if I'm a heretic. No, you can ask for anything. You can ask for whatever, according to Jesus, and he'll do it. And that's not a one-off scripture. I already talked about Mark 16, where it says, right, those who believe in my name, they'll what? Drive out demons, all this stuff. In my name is the point. We're doing it in his authority. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you, so that you'll bear fruit, right? How many you want to be fruitful? It's like, yeah, okay, well, what do you do? You go and do crazy stuff with shameless audacity, whatever you ask for in my name will be done. Okay, Six, John 16, 23 to 24. In that day, you'll no longer ask me for anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, you'll see if you need Look, what's my point? You actually got to ask. <laughs> right? Because he's like, look, whatever you ask in my name, you're going to get. But look, up until now, you haven't asked me for anything. So that's why you haven't gotten it. But if you ask, you'll actually get it so that your joy will be complete. So there's, there's reasons for answer prayer. It's like your joy will be complete. I actually want you to be joyful. Go figure. Joy will be complete. Fruit. And to glorify my Father. Those are the three things he talks about why he wants to answer all your crazy prayers. So, Jesus is our source. The value of our authority rests on the power that's behind that authority. So what? The God himself is the power behind that authority. Omnipotent God is, is the power behind the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? All powerful. So that means we have that power in the name of Jesus to do the stuff. Talking about demonstrating the kingdom. The devil and his forces are obligated to recognize our authority. Okay? So that's why you do it in the name of Jesus. Because if you're going in your own name, they're going to be like, I don't have to listen to you. You guys remember, remember in Acts 19, Remember in that, uh, this story is kind of funny. Yeah, Acts 19, where these sons of Sceva go out trying to cast out demons. And what do they say? They say, in the name, or in, what is it? In the name of Jesus, the Jesus that Paul preaches. <laughs> or something like that. And the demons are like, we know Paul. 
we know Jesus, but who are you? They actually say, they're like, who are you to try and tell us what to do? Then they go and beat the, the snot out of them. <laughs> okay, so what's the point? Relationship's key. They, they, they didn't have that relationship. They're like this Jesus who Paul preaches. They're like, we don't have to listen to you. But if you're a believer, right, if you have that relationship, name of Jesus, they have to. Okay, because he's given you that authority. All right. You can face the enemy fearlessly. Now, getting to the point. Actually, there's a lot of points, but it's pretty simple. When do we use a prayer of authority and command? Because look, like obviously this isn't something you do for everything. Okay, so I want to qualify and say, well, look, there's a place, a very important place for intercessory prayer. Of course. Okay, so I'm not trying to what I'm trying to do maybe is bring some balance because like no matter how many times you probably may already have known all this, but it's one of those things. It's like, for some reason we tend to default on, okay, so-and-so sick. Oh God, please heal this person. That's fine. But I want to, I want to say, how many of you have heard of John G. Lake? Yes. Most of you. Okay. How many of you have not? Okay. For you guys, I um, highly recommend you look him up. That's totally fine if you don't know who he is, but he's an amazing man of God. This is 100 plus years ago. He was a missionary to South Africa and and, uh, planted so many churches, hundreds of thousands of people saved, healed, all the stuff. He's actually originally from Canada. He was born outside of Stratford. Anyway, 1914, he comes back to the United States, starts what's called the Healing Rooms in Spokane, Washington. Get this. Five years, 100,000 documented healings. Five years. 20,000 a year. Documented healings. These are ones that, not, not even including ones that weren't documented. Okay? So, so he's really well known for healing ministry. I recommend, look him up. He's got like, you can get books of his sermons that are like a thousand pages. Okay? It's amazing. Alright, what's my point? You know what he said the, the key difference? So, so, sorry, let me back up. What he used to do at one point was intercessory prayer for people. Like, God, please heal this person. That's fine. Because he got results. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can do it, of course. And he said they would pray and pray and pray. And he said, you know what? When it went from, like, they would see healings to, like, crazy healings, like, all the time, is this. When they shifted from, God, please do this, to be healed in Jesus' name, that's when all the breakthroughs started happening with healing. Okay? That and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it was this key difference where it's like you shift from, okay, God, please do this, when God's up in heaven probably with like Moses. Wait, I've given you this authority. You do it. And when he did that, prayer of command, it worked. When Jesus, um, Trish and I, if you don't, you probably don't know who we are, but we met, or we started, we met at the Lakeland Revival. We, it's a long story, but the Holy Ghost independently led us to Bethel Church in Redding, California. We did the school ministry. After I got my PhD, I went there. I'm giving you a very short version. What's my point? We, uh, how many of you heard of their healing rooms? A few of you? Yeah? Okay, about half. They're every Saturday for four hours. People come from all over the world just for these healing rooms. It's crazy. How many of you heard of Bethel Church? Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so. So we volunteered on the on the for the healing rooms and it's amazing like there's stories of like someone who like flew from germany on a friday night just to go they got prayer healing rooms flew back because they had to go back to work like it's and and it's crazy because you see like crazy healings like 
Stage four cancer is a regular healing is just normal there now. Like every week you see crazy stuff. Anyway, what's my point? Same story. They said when they started those healing rooms, they would beg God. I'm being dramatic, but God, please heal this person. They'd spend like 12 hours with someone like God. And they, he, they said, what happened? It's not sustainable. They would leave at the end of the day, totally wiped and drained and at the end of themselves. And the person was even healed. So they said, you know what? They made this shift too. They're like, no, command in the name of Jesus. That's it. And that's all they did. It's like, be healed in Jesus' name. And you might do it a few times. But that's, they made that shift too. And we know the fruit of that ministry is phenomenal. Okay, so this is something that you want results. Why not do what Jesus did and what he told us to do? And that's one of the main things. Now, again, nothing wrong with intercessory prayer. Okay, so... Both Jesus, so I'm talking about when do you do this? Jesus and his disciples used this prayer of command when dealing with the enemy, usually, and things that were contrary to his kingdom. So, like I've been talking about, healing the sick, okay? Giving you all authority to do this and overcome all the power of the enemy, Luke 10 19. So, if Jesus gives you the same authority, he expects you to use it like he did. But I want to make sure that I don't confine it to those things. The prayer of authority and command wasn't just for that. Jesus also used it for circumstances. Okay, so we talked about calming storms and be quiet or quiet, be still in, in Mark 4, 37, 39. Cursing, <laughs> cursing fig trees, uh, Mark eleven fourteen. May no one ever eat of you again. I, 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 like, I don't know how to categorize that one. Jesus is kind of mad at this fig tree. But of course he was made... <laughs> He was making the point, right? The point he made is we're t- still talking about that because he's making the point. This is what you do. Command things. They'll listen if you believe, right? Same with the mountain. Go cast yourself into the sea. Okay, so of course, Jesus is perfect theology. If he did it, we know it's God's will. We don't have to be like, well, do we do it? It's like, yeah, he did it, told us to do the same. Okay, and he wouldn't have taught us the prayer of command in Mark eleven twenty three 23 if... Unless he wanted us to do it, right? Like, why would he tell us to do something he didn't want us to do? So, when you realize that you operate under Christ's delegated authority, you'll speak to diseases, demons, conditions, tell them what to do, they'll do it. So, what I would suggest, if you're like, well, when do I do this? Some of these things are obvious. But the, but the Bible says a couple times, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Okay, so James 4, 7. So resist anything that's of the devil. You're resisting the devil. Okay? And he'll flee from you. So think about it. Temptation. Doubt. Anything that you obviously isn't from God, I would say, why not command it to leave? Why not do this? Because, right? It's the enemy you're dealing with, and the enemy has to listen to you. Same with sickness. You talk to it like it's a person. I command you to leave in Jesus' name. has to obey you. Okay, so I just, I gave you these examples. Doubt, I resist you. Refuse to doubt, whatever. Fear, I resist you. Sickness, I refuse you. In, in Jesus' name. Okay, so just to summarize now, talking about the prayer of authority, exercising our authority in the name of Jesus, authority in the prayer of command and the word of God. I didn't have time, but I think this goes without saying, use the word of God because in Ephesians 6, talking about the armor of God, Spiritual warfare, very practical. We don't have to spiritualize it. He says, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's our offensive weapon. Okay? Using scriptures. So, like, say you're confronting 
sickness. Go find, remember all God's promises are yes and amen. Go find, what scripture are you standing on? Go find a promise that says, for instance, Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, by Christ's wounds we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, by Christ's wounds we were healed, past tense. So if you were healed, you are healed, be healed in Jesus' name. Talking about the sword of the Spirit, okay? So that's another way you use this. So take authority over circumstances, poverty, disease, Everything that's on the line is his kingdom. It'll be done in Jesus' name. Amen. So I should, I should pray. <laughs> Father, we just thank you so much for this time together. Lord, I thank you so much for the revelation of the authority and power that we have by the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, I just ask that you open the eyes of our hearts so that we would have that revelation of the incomparably great power for us who believe. Lord, and I ask that we, we, would, we would leave this place with greater faith because you say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, knowing that we are children of God and in Jesus' name we have the same power and authority that Christ had when he walked the earth and that we leave here with that confidence knowing that if we speak to things that are contrary to the kingdom, they will listen and bow down to the name of Jesus. So Lord, I just ask for a greater impartation of that revelation for all of us. And Lord, I just ask for incomparably great fruit from this revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.